this time when uh, we're going to hear the word of the Lord. Shall we bow our heads in prayer and commit this time to the Lord? Let us pray. Oh Lord, you gave us your word thousands of years ago in order that we might learn from its example, Lord. Teach us, guide us, rebuke and correct us. And may your Holy Spirit that inspired your word continue to work in us, that through it we may see Christ, and through it also in our obedience to it, we may be transformed into the likeness of our Lord Jesus Christ. So may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts, O Lord, be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Wow, I don't know about you, but uh, there's a lot of trouble going on in this world. Uh, I know we had uh, problems at the beginning of our service, but thankfully it is uh, managed to slowly resolve itself. Uh, and some of those troubles may seem a little bit like, you know, a storm in a little teacup. Uh, it, it's just churning away. But I also know that we have friends who are in a great deal of other difficulties. Uh, they face a lot of problems. And uh, as they go through these troubled waters, uh, they see uh, that the Lord is sometimes very distant or far away. Uh, I'm just going to wait for, uh, for the slides to come on. Uh, yeah. I don't know what your troubled waters look like, uh, what your storm is, you know, and, and today I'm going to touch on this topic through troubled waters. And uh, Orange and Pear were quite right when they're saying it is through troubled waters rather than going over. Uh, the mere fact that the children of Israel actually had to go through it meant that they were surrounded uh, by problems around them and uh, danger was not very far away. Uh, need to advance the slide a bit. And next slide, please. No, one back. Yeah, thanks. Even as we look at this uh, troubled waters, uh, you, you remember last week when I talked about um, uh, Joshua in uh, chapter 1, as well as David uh, in Psalm 27, uh, both great men of the Bible were told to be strong and be courageous. And uh, in the case of Joshua, he was told, I will be with you in the same way that I was with Moses. Uh, and Psalm 27 was saying, uh, wait patiently upon the Lord. Obviously, the Lord is with us. So now you imagine yourself in the position of Joshua, right? You've been told to be strong, to be courageous, and uh, to know that the Lord is with you. And he's now told, go ahead and go into this river Jordan because the promised land is across on the other side. You come to this river Jordan and... Uh, Credit to Joshua, he's really uh, trusting God in this because I can imagine if I come to uh, a kind of troubled waters that we see like this, I'd be worried, you know, how do I get uh, hundreds of thousands of people, maybe even uh, a million? We don't really know the number. All that we know is that it was an entire nation of people. Now, it's interestingly, when you read this particular passage in Joshua, you find uh, that this is the first time uh, that the Israelites were called uh, a people and a nation. And so 
they were going to go into a promised land. And once you are a people of land, you, uh, you are a nation. So uh, let's examine what happens. Uh, the first one is that they begin to make preparations uh, to cross. And this is taken from uh, verses 1 uh, to 13. The first point uh, was this issue about keeping our eyes on the Lord, your God. You know, it says there in verse 3. I'm just going to read that out again. Giving orders to the people, uh, Joshua said, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priest and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out. You're to move out uh, and follow. And move out from your positions and following. So one of the preparations is really to get out of your comfort zone where you've been resting uh, throughout the whole time and to prepare to get into position to keep your eyes on the Lord your God. Now, uh, Joshua tells the people to keep their eyes on the Lord your God because in verse 4, he says, so you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. Now, not that long ago, in the, in the period of the 2000s, there was this book about uh, blue ocean strategies. There are times when we are going into uncharted waters. Uh, you've not been to uh, places that you've uh, been before. Or in the case of our global pandemic, this COVID-19, it is a problem which we have seen in the past but maybe not in the scale that we are seeing now in this globally connected world where uh, you know, everyone can fly. And so we are now in a period of troubled waters and for some of us, trouble that we've never seen before and therefore don't really know a way to get out of it. And so it's a pretty common sense if you've never been to a place and you don't know where to go, make sure you have a guide. And in particular, if we say that the Lord God is sovereign and has all things in his hands, he knows the best way out for us and we need to follow him. But then there's a statement uh, that comes out, keep a distance of about 900 meters or about uh, 2,000 cubits. Now, um, it doesn't really explain why we keep this distance, but I can imagine just like Orange and Pear just now when they were saying, you know, we don't crowd around people because uh, we need to be able to see where he is and where he's going and uh, particularly not get in the way, especially if there's trouble all around. But I think the following sentence gives a further information, uh, further uh, view on it because it says there, consecrate yourselves for the Lord will do amazing things among you. There is this concept in the Bible, a theme that runs through, that the holiness of God is something not to play around with. Uh, that sometimes when we encounter the Lord God Almighty, uh, we might be struck down dead if we don't uh, revere and uh, properly take into account His holiness. And so the people are told to keep a distance, you know, a respectful distance and keep their eyes on the Lord and to consecrate themselves, for the Lord will do amazing things among you. Now, I wonder, what do you do when you consecrate yourselves? 
we know for the Israelites, consecrating themselves meant setting themselves apart from their regular activity in order to dedicate themselves to the Lord. Now, what might that mean for us as a people in Penang Trinity? I think uh, for many of us, we have dedicated and consecrated ourselves, at least uh, for those who tried, uh, these last 40 days during the period of Lent as we work towards uh, the remembrance of our Lord Jesus Christ and his acts of salvation on the cross, and more than that, his resurrection. And so the consecration of ourselves is to set aside ourselves from our daily activity. For some people, it's been fasting. Uh, for some others, it's been reading the scriptures or an intentional uh, waking in the morning and the evening to keep our eyes focused on the Lord. But here's the first stage of this journey. When you're going through troubled waters, you need to make preparations to cross. And that preparation means keeping our eyes on the Lord, keeping a safe distance to watch where he's going and discerning where he's moving, and only moving when he moves, but also importantly, consecrating, dedicating, preparing ourselves so that we might meet the Lord. So, so important for us to remember that Jesus said, that uh, the pure are the ones who will see God. Soon as we come to that, we come to this uh, crossing. So the second point that I want to bring across is the crossing itself. Uh, and we find this in Joshua chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. Now, there's a lot of interesting things that are happening in verse 14 to 17. And in the Hebrew, uh, there's a word play that's going on. This word, cross, crossover, going ahead, which is variously translated in English, is repeated almost 22 times between uh, chapter 3 to chapter 5 of Joshua. And so there's this word play that goes that the Lord goes ahead and crosses over, and we are to cross over and follow him. Uh, to cross over gives this uh, intention that there is a movement, a direction, uh, following someone, but in a forward direction, away from where we are. So when we're going through troubled waters, you can't remain where you are. You can't just keep uh, at it uh, in, in your station. Uh, during the Second World War, uh, where he mentioned to his people when he was encouraging them to, pers to persevere and keep through, he said, uh, if you're going through hell, don't stop. Keep going. And it's true. If you're going through uh, this particular challenge where the promised land is across the River Jordan and uh, troubled waters, you can't stay where you are. You need to be prepared to move and you need to cross. Um, I need the slides to move on to the next one. Yeah, lovely, that one. In, in uh, preparing to cross, uh, the first point that is made to us by the narrator in verse 15 is that the River Jordan was at flood stage. Now, what does it mean at flood stage? Uh, if you've ever been to Israel or any part of the of um, uh, the Bible lands, really, uh, you sometimes see the high hills and the mountains, and the rivers are quite often in the valleys. 
And some of these places are high enough that you actually see snow-capped mountains. I know in Malaysia we don't, but recently when I was uh, traveling in Turkey on a study tour, uh, we saw uh, the mountains and snow on the tops. And uh, we know that the fresh waters, especially during spring and summer, uh, the ice melts and it fills the rivers and it flows into the water. So it's at flood stage. Now, try and picture this. Uh, the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, uh, the, the Lord's tabernacle, really, as they're carrying it, this is not a light piece of equipment. It's a tabernacle which they need to carry carefully. It's uh, inlaid with gold, so it's quite heavy. And they are going through. And Joshua's instruction to them is go into the River Jordan and stand in the River Jordan. Now, I'd like to ask you this question. If you are carrying something heavy and you have to move into turbulent waters, what do you think is likely to happen if the water doesn't part? Now, I'd be worried myself especially if you don't know how to swim. And you have to remember that uh, these Israelites had been walking in the desert for 40 years. It's not something that they've learned how to swim or they know how to basically bridge uh, a very heavy and swollen river. So it's worth us remembering, just like that front uh, cover picture that we had, you know, turbulent, troubled waters, possibly very deep in certain parts, and they're there carrying all that they have, uh, including the Ark of the Covenant. And Joshua's commandments are very cryptic. They say, go stand in the middle of Jordan. I also want to point out that it is only as soon as their feet touch the water's edge that the waters parted. It continues to say, the water piled up in a heap a great distance away, and the name is given Adam and Zaratan to the Dead Sea uh, of the Arabah, uh, chapter 3, verse 16. Now, various commentators have uh, tried to figure out where this particular uh, place is. Uh, one commentator has said it's uh, possibly about 18 kilometers of a stretch. And yeah, if you have a very large crowd of people, you can't just have a, a 10 meter gap for them to walk through. It's actually a very wide gap that they... Uh, they, they walk through. Uh, and uh, the statement in verse 17, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground. There's a lot of things happening in the Hebrew hearing in verses 15 to 17. Uh, most uh, important for us to recognize is these key words, uh, that they gathered together in a heap that they stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground. Where else have they heard this before? That the waters were parted, that it stood away at a heap, uh, that it was held apart, and they walked on dry land. Immediately for the Israelites, they remember that Moses, uh, the lawgiver, had done exactly the same thing that the sea had parted, the Reed Sea had parted, that they had walked on dry land, and, the, and that Moses had stood there the whole time waiting for them to cross over 
And when everyone was crossed over, then finally the river returned back. This requires a step of faith. You know, preparation to cross is one thing, but actually taking the courage to step across through our troubled waters is critical. I've said this before, but I'd, uh, I think it's uh, worth mentioning again. You can pray a huge amount. You can read the Bible a huge amount, and you can have a lot of uh, knowledge in you. But if you do not have the courage to step forward and the faith to trust God that he is going to see you through, all of that pretty much counts for nothing. Obedience is quite key in following God through. And so we're reminded, even as Moses uh, did this tremendous thing, Joshua did pretty much the same thing. He parted the, uh, he parted the river Jordan at its peak. And we know that uh, some people argue, you know, maybe it was a natural phenomenon uh, maybe it's just a figment of their imagination. But let me just read something to you uh, about what has happened on this River Jordan before. Uh, history has told us that there was a landslide that dammed up the River Jordan in 1267 and also in 1906. So a natural phenomenon has occurred before that dammed up the River Jordan. And then uh, an earthquake on the 11th of July, 1927, actually also did the same thing. That earthquake, uh, for a period of time, uh, stopped the River Jordan from flowing. Now, I am not saying that what happened was a natural phenomenon or they happened to be an earthquake or a landslide happening at that point in time. All I'm saying here is that it's happened before. And if it's happened before, there's nothing to say that God cannot do it. And we know in particular because Joshua was giving a prophecy of what was going to happen, it all happened in accordance to the exact place that they were and the timing when they were crossing. So obviously for the people who were there, they knew that God was with them and in particular speaking to Joshua. Now the third point I'd like to make about this is uh, the fact that there is a memorial. And uh, although I'm only touching uh, in our text uh, from chapter 3, verse 1 to 17, but actually uh, the whole pericope or the whole uh, context of what is being said con continues until uh, chapter 5, verse 1. And the whole of chapter 4, verse 1 till 5, uh, verse 1 is to make this comment that the Israelites, uh, particularly the leaders, the 12 leaders that were selected were told, when you go across, uh, pick up a stone from the middle of the Jordan, carry it with you and take it into uh, the place that you're going to camp. And so they carry this and eventually uh, they're told to build an altar, a memorial where they will make sacrifices. And in particular, it was to serve as a sign among you so that when your children ask you, tell them, what happened? That's in uh, chapter 4, verses 6 to 7. And it repeats itself again in uh, chapter 4, verse 24, that last verse in the chapter, uh, or, or very close to the end. It says, So that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful 
and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. It was meant to be a sign. It was meant to remind the people. And it's an important thing for us to see here that Joshua uh, is telling the people, tell your children, remind them of God's grace of how he stopped the waters. This miraculous act has occurred. And so this memorial uh, that he does, this consecration, he's crossing across, and this memorial is meant to be a reminder so that all the peoples of the earth, those who see this memorial, would remember and know that these guys are talking about something that happened to them. And that through the reenactment or the remembrance of this memorial, uh, that the Lord is powerful and that you might always fear the Lord your God. Now, let me bring this to some application points and some bridging. Uh, can I have the next slide, please? No, back to, back to the river. Thanks. I mentioned at the start, I don't know what trouble waters you're facing, whether it was a storm in a teacup, whether it is a flood that you're facing, or one that is a, a global flood that seems to be engulfing you. And the story of Joshua is a story which you might think is, well, that was uh, thousands of years ago when, we, uh, when stories were like legends and myth, and we don't really know whether there's any truth to what's happening. But today is Palm Sunday, and Joshua was a prototype, the first person who demonstrated going through troubled waters. And then Palm Sunday, 2,000 years ago, another person with the same namesake, whose name was Yeshua ben Yosef. We know him as Jesus, son of Joseph, or more popular, Jesus Christ. We actually know that Joshua's name actually in Hebrew means Yeshua ben Nun, is Joshua, son of Nun. And so Joshua and Jesus uh, share the same Hebrew name, Yeshua, which means Savior, our God saves. Jesus entered into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday into a troubled city filled, brimming with political extremists, with religious zealots, and worse still, knowing that there was danger all around him and that people were seeking to kill him. He didn't deal with a physical flood. He dealt with, instead with a more dangerous flood. It is the troubled waters of death and sin. The same way that Orange and Pear talked about crossing uh, the road, dangerous in its uh, prime, especially when things are going through. We walk through the river of life that is filled with troubled waters. And in it, death and sin are lurking and waiting to take us away. Jesus came during Palm Sunday to bring peace and to show us a way through death and sin and to lead us into the kingdom. Have you made preparation? I don't know whether you are at a point in life where you are still at the troubled waters. You don't know how to cross. You're facing death and sin and a lot of trouble. I have friends 
who've just been evicted from their homes and they have no place to go in this MCO. We have friends who are unsure about their work and they don't have enough food to feed them. I had one businessman who shared with me, he said, you know, in January, there were only 20 days of work in the factory. In February, we had the Chinese New Year and there was uh, literally no production time at all, very little. And in March, in the middle of March, after just a few days of working, the MCO was put in and the factory is just ground to a halt. And if this continues with the MCO for them, for some people, the troubled waters is just a gaping debt and a big hole. And some of you might be facing this big challenge of what do I do with the workers? What do I do with my family? Those are troubled waters. But if you think those troubled waters are great and big, Jesus had something to say about troubled waters. He said, death and sin are the greatest enemy. Things of this world are passing, but life is meant to be life eternal. And he came that we might have life and life to the full. He taught us that he had the power to calm the storm when he was in the boat. When he went across with the disciples, he said to all the elements in the same way that Joshua was demonstrating as a prophet of God, that when, we, when he went across the troubled waters, the waters collected in a heap. But for Jesus, Jesus himself said, peace, be still, and the calm stormed. He not only did that, he also went on to calm the storm in a man and who was demon-possessed, called Legion. God, through Jesus Christ, has the ability to lead us through our storms. And Jesus is not like Joshua. He is the fulfillment of what Joshua was only just a prototype. Joshua was not the one who stood in the middle, who parted the sea. God was his one. Jesus does the same, except that Jesus... Christ now stands and holds back death for us that we might follow his lead and enter into the kingdom of God. Once again, I ask, where are you? Are you afraid to cross and follow Jesus through the storm? Or are you at this point going through this troubled waters and looking at the waters all around you? Very much like Peter when he lost sight of Jesus and he looked at the winds and the storm and he was sinking. Are you keeping your eyes on Jesus? In your preparations, in dedicating and consecrating yourself to God, in your step of faith in walking and keeping your eyes on Jesus, are you following him? And are you going through these troubled waters with God? Or are you trying to just bridge it by yourself? Or you might be one who is very secure and very strong in the faith. And you're like, okay, I know God is with me. And if God takes me now, it's well and fine. I can, uh, I'm ready to meet my maker. If you're in that position, it's well and good for you. But after we've crossed this storm and this troubled waters, Jesus also told us, I leave this for you as a remembrance. Usually our first Sunday, we practice a Holy Communion. And uh, not that long ago, I, I went to the, uh, to the bookstore in Penang and I bought myself uh, a communion kit. 
it has a, a picture of the cross on it. I'm not sure if you can see uh, properly as a reminder and a symbol. And inside of it was uh, the cup, uh, the drink, and there's a, there's a little canister here for the wafer or the biscuits that we have. And a small one here, um, just for a little oil. Now these are all just uh, remembrances for us. Uh, the bread. cup that we fill. So in the same way that Joshua had a memorial and the people remembered Joshua as being the leader like Moses that took them through these troubled waters, we remember Jesus by the memorials that he left for us. In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, it reminds us, uh, Jesus on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had broken it, he said, this is my body, which is given to you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup. And after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Drink this in remembrance of me. And he said, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. These are memorials and ways in which we commemorate. Now, it's rather unfortunate that the, due to the MCO, we've not been able to celebrate communion together because communion in a way is a celebration of life together. And as we partake, we normally have an elder in our Methodist church uh, sharing in the communion. But this Maundy Thursday, I'd like to prepare you ahead of time that for Maundy Thursday, when we come together after we've heard uh, Reverend Dr. Lim Kayong share his sermon about the choices that we make, we're going to partake in a time of what we call in the Methodist tradition, the love feast. It's uh, not that dissimilar, but it's uh, distinctively uh, unique to the Methodist tradition. The love feast is a time when we will partake of uh, bread or a biscuit or an equivalent and plain water, uh, the water signifying to us uh, the blood of Christ, but also uh, the Holy Spirit that is to us. Now, the main focus of that is not so much the communion, but really a time of prayer, time of dedication to God, a memorial and a consecration and a time of testimony. And this is the time when the head of the household or the, the people where you are, we share testimonies with our children about what God has done and what we're thankful for, or maybe even a verse uh, that we particularly uh, partake of. Let me bring this to a close. How do we move forward uh, from these things? Uh, and as, uh, as is known, there are three things, uh, what we want you to know, what we want you to become, and what we want you to do. We want to remember that we walk through our troubled waters with God ever before and with us. Uh, but to also remember that we need to consecrate ourselves, prepare ourselves, dedicate ourselves. So as we come to Holy Week, the coming week, I invite you and I challenge you 
to dedicate yourself. Now that might mean fasting, setting aside yourself from the usual routine, putting aside your, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe your Korean dramas or, or, or uh, the regular stuff that you're doing. Setting aside intentionally time to consecrate and prepare yourself so that we would be prepared to walk through troubled waters and to see God's amazing work around us. The other one is to be, uh, is to trust God and step out in faith towards God. As I mentioned, I don't know um, who's watching at this point in time. You might be one who just stumbled into our feed and uh, was looking for something that might uh, keep your interest or answer some questions. Well, here's the challenge. If you have troubled waters around you, you need to call out on Jesus who calmed the storm who has made a way through death and sin, the greatest enemy that we have, so that as you walk through the river of life, as you are in your troubles, he will be with you and he will make a way through for you. Not only is he there, he walks through with you, holding your hand and guiding you across. And the last one, particularly a challenge to all our fellow brothers and sisters, is to do this coming week, the Holy Week, to remember, to commemorate, to revere God in thanksgiving throughout. So will you take time to intentionally remember God's goodness to you? And especially as a reminder of Monitia's Thursday, when we do the two things that Jesus taught us, one of which was he shared the Last Supper. So we're going to do the love, fe love feast. Uh, or the agape meal, uh, to remind us of that. But the other thing that Jesus did was uh, an act of service to wash feet. And so uh, if you're up to this, and this is something that you want to dedicate and consecrate yourself to, uh, one, make sure you prepare some bread and biscuits on a plate, as well as ensure that all in your household has a cup of water or equivalent uh, with you during that time. Uh, have a testimony ready and available. And if you're up to it, you might also want to engage in a little bit of foot washing because Jesus said, uh, whenever you do this, do this and remember him. We always remember uh, the communion. Uh, we often forget his command to love and serve and to embody that as a sign uh, by the way we're willing to wash each other's feet. So remember, commemorate, Revere God in thanksgiving uh, throughout. I've got three uh, discussion questions uh, for reflection. And um, the first one uh, was to ask this question, what trouble or what flood of troubles are you facing? Are you moving out from your current position to follow God's leading? There is an active movement in a way uh, there's a decision that you need to make an intentional movement towards God or are you going to stay far away? And maybe if you, you are like that priest or we are a royal priest to the holy nation, you might need to be the one stepping into the troubled waters before the waters are ready to part. It's through that step of faith that God responds in our faith uh, to him. So take time in the small groups uh, later on this week or even now uh, after the service, maybe you might want to talk to each other. What flood of troubles are you facing and are you moving out from your current position?
The second reflection and discussion question is, uh, have you consecrated yourself to God? What step of faith is God calling you to take and trust him with? That's a, that's a question that only you can answer, and it's a, it's a question between you and God. What trouble are you facing? And have you consecrated uh, yourself to God? What step of faith? Uh, what is it that he's asking you to step into that trouble waters? And will you trust him and keep your eyes on him so that you have the ability to walk through it all? These are very uh, vulnerable questions and it takes a lot of courage to answer. So I pray that you find time to think it through and maybe share it with a close friend and confidant to say, I need to take the step of faith. Now I realize and I'm prompted, uh, you might say, yeah, I feel prompted by God to maybe speak about this. One of the most uh, concerning things that has affected us during this period of consecration or uh, during this MCO is uh, statistics have gone up about domestic violence and also uh, the fact that, and this is particular uh, throughout the world, but in Malaysia, we had statistics on Malaysia Kini that said that the number of hits on porn sites, uh, in particular, they brought up Pornhub, had gone up during the MCO. And so even in the midst of our isolation, people are turning to their sin and death uh, in order to distract themselves and to keep themselves amused all this time. It is, in a way, almost like walking into uh, the bright headlights of a car and uh, going to be run down. So if you're facing that difficulty, uh, you know, if you're resorting to domestic violence in order to let out your depression and your anger, you need to seek help. You can email us, uh, care at penangtrinity.org or to your small group leaders or the prayer request that you have. You know, uh, look into those issues. And brothers and sisters, if you are turning towards other distractions, porn, sexual addictions, the things that you are addicted to and uh, that keep your eyes away from God, maybe you need to take that step of faith to turn away, consecrate yourself, and follow God uh, rather than down this path of death. The last and final one, uh, the third item, how are you going to be commemorating God this week? And how can you help others remember God's goodness and grace to them? This period of MCO is an opportunity. I know it's a challenge in troubled waters, but uh, every conflict and trouble is an opportunity to do good and to remind God uh, to remind others that God is present in our midst. Will you find ways to commemorate God? For us as Christians, especially Penang Trinity, it's Monday, Thursday, we're coming together at 8.30 to hear Dr. Lim Kayong, to do the love feast, to wash feet maybe for some of us. Good Friday, we come again and to hear the word of God, to reenact, to remember God's saving grace when he parted the way of death and sin and brought us into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven where Jesus reigns high. Will we take that as opportunities to remember, to mourn our sinfulness and to follow God? And then, of course, on Easter Sunday uh, and, and Holy, Holy Saturday, you know, maybe for you, you might want to join our Holy Saturday uh, uh, prayer slots. Uh, so contact uh, Sister Swan Yu or... Uh, 
any of the small group members, if you don't have any, either of that, drop us a note on care at penangtoniti.org and we will get you uh, connected. And we need to find ways uh, to remember God's goodness and grace to us. Shall we pray? Dear God, thank you for the example of Joshua who led the people out of the desert through of the wilderness, through troubled waters of Jordan and flood, and through your miraculous work, Lord. You are sovereign over all creation. You cause the people to walk over troubled waters on dry land. And through his namesake, Joshua, Lord, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, who is the ultimate savior, who not only brought us through the storm and troubled waters, but led us safely through the storms of sin and death, that through him, in him, and in faith in him, we have salvation and life eternal, a fullness of life. Pour into us, Lord, your streams of living water so that we might trust you. And help us, Lord, in thanksgiving to speak to our children and our children's children that we would remember your goodness and your grace all as well. And like Jesus taught us, Lord, to be willing to wash the feet of others by serving and giving our life to others. Teach us, Lord, remind us and speak to our hearts. Search us and know us and guide us into life eternal. May your word go forth, Lord, and may it not return empty. This we ask and pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Friends, we come uh, 